When you show up at SEO conferences, there are two factions of very different people that coexist, that trade and live together, but think completely differently. On one side, you have the site builders that come out of the trenches with dirt still on their faces and everything to come and learn the new tactics. And on the other side, you have the buyers who are focused on running big portfolios, making big moves, acquiring sites from builders and all these things. And if you join this industry, you are going to have to pick a side. You are either going to be building websites or you're going to be acquiring one and then trying to run it to the best of your abilities. So in today's episode, we are going to try to help you pick your side and decide which is best for you, building or buying. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. We are back to the long weekly format. Uh, you had one episode last week with Mark who was talking to the membership guys and now I am finally back on the long format. So if you missed my rants, if you missed my terrible analogies, all of that, we are back to that because, well, people voted on the Facebook group that they preferred that. And if you prefer that, then it's a good occasion for you to give us a like, subscribe, Drop us a comment below saying that you're happy or saying that you're really pissed off and that you want the daily podcast to come back. Before we jump onto the next thing, we will come back with other formats on YouTube. It's just we will not merge it with the podcast and the podcast is going to keep its, format, its podcast format. And YouTube is just going to have its own stuff when we have a bit more capacity because right now we are working on a lot of updates for our courses. And as we are coming back to this format, we're also coming back to the how's it going, Mark? So how's it going, Mark? Uh, I was waiting for it. I, I really <laughs> missed you asking me. Oh. No one's asking me how it's going in like three or four weeks now but yeah I've got, I see you have a lot of friends since couple <laughs> I don't really I don't really have too much too many updates on this other than same as before really yeah you guys are still uh you guys are still don't have much going in the UK still so yeah, yeah. in Hungary life is back to normal I literally was out for lunch and everything and two yeah. streams and stuff forgot so, what that's yeah. like yeah, well, it's pretty nice. Let's see how things turn out. But anyway, that is not the topic of this podcast, but you want a long format, so we have time to just expand on our personal lives now. Uh, so here you go. <laughs> but today we are focusing on whether you should be buying or building sites. And I think uh, I mentioned in the pre-intro, when I go to events, there's always these two types of people and they really hardly understand each other, but they trade with each other because obviously buyers buy from builders, etc. So there is exchange, but like you will also see a lot more hype around the buying side of things lately. Like uh, marketplaces have been growing a lot, like Empire Flippers, and there's a lot of new ones as well that came on the market. And just overall, I think there's just a lot more money on the market because there was good return in the past few years on websites. So it's some people are looking at, and also people who have done well with building sites are just switching side and just joining the, the buyer side to try to speed things up, etc. as we will be talking about. But on our end with Mark, we actually haven't bought, I've never bought sites actually, like I've sold sites, but I've never bought sites. So I guess we could put ourselves on the very hardcore uh, builder side. And so I think it's important to take this into consideration when you listen to the whole episode is that we, are, we have more experience building than we have experience buying. So uh, feel free to correct us on Twitter or whatever if we say something wrong, something you disagree with, you're absolutely allowed to do that. But just to be clear, we're, we're not like firmly in the camp you should always always build. No. I mean, there are a lot of opportunities and we've got we to sell the websites, right? So <laughs> when it does make sense to buy. 
Yeah, we want people to buy the websites we sell. So it's like, um, we definitely want buyers to be in the market. <laughs> but I think we're going to start with uh, our side of things. So like why we prefer building sites, because I think it's, it's quite important. And there's always three main things. I mean, the first one, it's, it's cheaper. Like, you know, if you try to build the same site that you buy, it's really like, how, what magnitude of, like, you know, how, is it like three times cheaper, five times cheaper, et cetera, for us to build a site versus selling it? Like, I mean, yeah, if you look I at this last site, I think it's maybe like five, five to eight times cheaper. Yeah. You bear the risk, right? So it's like when you start a site, you have no idea whether it's going to do well or not. And that's, I think that's what is factored in the price, right? It's like a lot of people start websites and they don't do well. And so I think it's something that uh, a lot of people have in their head. And as a result, the price is higher for sites that are making money, you know? I disagree, because if you're good at starting websites, you ha- your confidence level that your site's going to do well is significantly higher. And in that, ca- in that situation, your confidence level that a site which is already doing well will house the confidence level that will continue to do well. In this day and age, you know, there's a lot more risk in that. Yeah, I mean, the core updates really change a lot of things. Actually, it's one of these things that I want to talk about. It's like, for me, the core update should change the valuation of websites massively and hasn't. But like the argument of that um, sellers told me or like uh, brokers was like, essentially, it's just a supply and demand game. So people are still willing to pay the same price, but we'll still sell them at the same price. But I, I ended like seeing that this has not moved. And um, and also what I was explaining earlier shows me that a lot of buyers actually don't necessarily have the experience and the confidence, which is why they're still buying high, and which is why, uh, despite the changes to the market, and which is why they also factor in that percentage of chance of failing. Personally, I start a website, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna make it work. It, it will take some time, like you know, it could take one year, two years for the site to start really picking up some really great steam, especially if we're going to competitive markets. But I know we'll make it work. I have no worries about that. We even picked up some kind of dead sites and made them do well recently, for example. I think that's another part of like why we prefer building sites. It's like the you know what you're getting when you build it. The quality is better. There's no kind of skeletons in the closet or mm. or unknowns. And you can kind of focus the site exactly how you want it. You can brand it narrow, you can brand it broad, you have complete control. It's often very difficult if you're looking for a site in a specific niche, you know, if it's a broad niche like yoga or something, it's not too difficult to find that. But if you want to go like really narrow and like focus on, you know, like one type of, I don't know, yoga mat or something like that, then that's a little bit more challenging to find uh, find a site built the way you want. Yeah, I agree. And also like the angling, the niches and the quality of content. I mean, come on, like a lot of sites content is terrible. Uh, yeah. and, and usually like it's not the, the best sites on the internet. What percentage so. of sites that are on not that are for sale? I'm not gonna say on a specific marketplace, but just the sellers want to sell them. What percentage of sites do you think have better content than we could produce ourselves? I mean there is some. I do, I do believe there is some, right? What are we um, talking ten percent, fifty percent? Probably like fifteen percent, maybe. Yeah. Ten ten to fifteen percent. I, I would I would say less than ten percent. Maybe I don't. Know. I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't. I didn't spend. I mean, I spent quite a bit of time on Flippa lately, just for other reasons. I mean, Flippa is just absolute garbage, ninety-five percent of the time. But yeah, it's like I think that there there is still a few good sites for sale. The problem is like when they're good, they're so expensive, right? It's like you, you get to fifty x multiples, etc., and that's kind of the problem. It's like it's like I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, it's great. But like, if I was really spending that money, I could absolutely reach that level too. It's just that I think sometimes 
we don't reach that level of content because we're always very quite cost efficient in the way we do things. And it's like, you know, we get a writer that asks us like a dollar per word, we don't pay for that. But actually, if you're spending the money that you would spend on buying that site, you could absolutely afford the writer that asks a dollar per word, you know? And, uh, and then maybe you'd get the absolute best credential in the industry and actually build that site. So I think there's a, there's a cost consciousness thing that we have built in since we started building site that is, that is factored in as well, and which is why I put that threshold. But yeah, and I, I guess the last thing, last thing is like, uh, it's low risk as well. One thing as well that I would say why I prefer building site is because I know the site. So I know the technical aspect of it. Like we want to do a change to the site. I'm not like opening a page and realizing that some uh, shitty coder just made a custom build plugin that actually adds a fuck ton of code to the page and actually injects his own affiliate links in there and the previous owner didn't realize or something like that. Uh, these things happen. And I would hate dealing with that. Most sites I look at for sale, I would probably change like 75% of the site technical structure and, uh, and uh, the way it's built, etc. And also what it allows us to do is it allows us to get to know the niche itself, which I guess we are builders. So we're like quite uh, involved in all the niches we get into. It's like, you can pick any niche we've been involved into. I can have a proper discussion about it, even though... I'm not always like the target market or something like that. Like I, I actually know the topic, not just the keyboards, etc. And you learn that by building your site. If you pick up a site that already has five, six, seven hundred pages, it's quite complicated. Even for things like planning your content, like when you know the, all the pages on your site, you can plan how you're going to interlink things and like which keyword you're going to tackle next that plugs into which hub, etc. Which conceptually in your head is quite, it's much harder to get in once you pick up a site that's like a thousand page or something like that. So like I grow with the sites and as a result, we manage them better because we grow with the sites, you know? And I think it's quite a challenge when you buy a site to take it over and actually do a good job at the beginning, which is why a lot of sites that they get taken over kind of struggle at the beginning, at least, you know? Yeah, it's even like little things like you want to add in a new affiliate offer. And if you built the site yourself, you probably know 80% of the pages or posts on your site where you can go in and add that. Whereas if you buy a site, you're less likely to know, oh, you know, in this category, there's a few articles which further down in one of the list bullet points mention this type of product so we can put it there. Uh, so you really have to kind of like go through all of the content and, and find these things and get to know the site. So there's a period of onboarding or learning what you have to work with. Um, so that's factor as well. Yeah, I think though, I don't want to paint like a too rosy picture of like building websites and like saying like it's so amazing that there's some sites that yeah, really- Yeah, it is slow. Um, like it takes yeah, ages, honestly. <laughs> and this is, it's not so much the fact that it's slow. I think, I think because it's slow and there's a huge lag to you get that like feedback or that reward from the work you're doing to, to get it going, that causes a lot of people to give up. And I think that, yes. that is the biggest risk with uh, building a site from scratch is giving up before your site site takes off. I've seen it happen a it's lot. It's the number of one times. reason people fail, you know? It's yeah. like most sites do eventually get okay traffic provided you've done decent keyword research and market research and you've not been an idiot and gone against all the keyword has line ranks for. But it's like, yeah, it can take a year or two, as I mentioned earlier, and say it's a long time, especially when you're pulling in your own money and time into a website that doesn't pay you back. It feels very long. It taught me a lot of patience, to be honest. I think also our background of playing MMORPGs also helped a lot for oh, me. Yeah. Because it's a grind. <laughs> it really is. It's like it's it feels the same, you know? It's kind of like, you know, 
saving slow and steady you know it's yeah. not very attractive it's not very sexy and it's like it's kind of boring like once you have your site up and and going like there's that phase like before you're getting any rewards and you're still just churning it. it's like oh my god well how long you get the honeymoon take? phase when you brand it and then you start you have to start writing content and you write like the first article excited second so yeah. and it just goes down 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 and then yeah. it's like and then, then as soon as you start getting time. the rewards like either some traffic coming in or some money whatever it's like your interest peaks back up again yeah uh, so you've really got to like manage your emotions and in, in, in that sense and like understand there is a pot of gold at the end of the tunnel and not give up if you are working on multiple sites at the same time, these things are, are, these issues are kind of magnified more because you'll naturally just be pulled to the one that's, you know, suddenly getting a lot of traffic or suddenly making some money. And then you might not be focusing on the one that you actually need to put to, to grind out to get off the ground. So you have to be extra careful if you're doing the portfolio approach because it's a, it's a delicate balancing act. And I know we've fallen victim to that multiple times in the past. Yeah, a lot of people end up having all their projects in that downside phase, but like they never have enough resources to put in. So it actually goes past this deep and actually goes forward. And that's kind of the risk of portfolios. And that's why I put in those like how to focus on multiple objects as one at once, sorry. And uh, I think it's also for me, it's also mentally, right? So if I'm like planning the content for, because I actually get into the topics, like it's hard for me to actually have focus on multiple of these topics properly and do a good job, which is why I'm not a fan of running like 10 sites or something. Like it's, it's like, if you ask me, like ideally, I think like one to three sites is my favorite number. The problem is obviously you become vulnerable to these crazy Google call updates that for no reason just cut your traffic in half. But yeah, it's like, I'm not a fan of running 10 sites. I think it's hard to do a good job. And then, then you get into outsourcing if you want to run more, but like, you need to find someone that will care enough to actually get into the topic properly and, and do a good job, which it's not just a matter of them knowing how to do keyword research, et cetera. It's a matter of like actually following the industry, following the new products that get released and like all that. And it's like, it's- And it's, it's almost always worse. Like I haven't seen many companies where, you know, the owner has brought in or hired some manager to run the site and it's like done better without them. You keep some degree of management, basically. Like you still have to manage stuff quite a bit. Now let's just jump into like the buyer side, basically. I think we need to give it some positives. So start with that. Yeah. So it's faster. You dump a load of cash. You have a site. You have a business. Uh, you know, a few days later, you don't have to wait for one year, two years, however long it takes to get to get that business off the ground. If you buy a very well-established site, you know, that can take three, four years to grow to, you know, a big site sort of level. So you're bypassing a lot of time by doing that. And if you value your time and you have money, then that's an attractive proposition. If you are also, if you're someone who can add a lot of value to an existing website, having a site with, you know, 500,000 visitors a month you know, where you add 50% to the bottom line is going to make a move the needle quite significantly. But if you if you do that on your site, which has no traffic, it's not it's not going to move the needle. So this is, I think, where a lot of the people who are currently buying sites are particularly skilled at or good at is they know they can identify sites which are under monetized or which have good potential to grow their traffic. And then they can do those things. And then you know, increase the value significantly. So they're almost like making money by doing that rather than just running the business as it is. Yeah, it's like if you can have that day one increase in revenue, I think 
that's when you have the most chances of, of really making your money back despite the crazy swings of Google. Because yeah, if you pay like 35 multiple, you essentially need to hold your rankings for a long time. And it's like, you need to basically survive like 15 core updates, let's say something like that. Because there's one every yeah. like, say two, three months. So a lot of people say with you know assets like this that you make your money when you buy. So if you can find a really good deal that's you know below the actual value of the market that you know if you go direct or if you have some kind of private deal flow then you're making instantly making money there so that's like getting you back to the equilibrium and then if you can stack revenue growth on top of that through switching to a better ad platform you know that's the, the obvious one though most publishers are a bit wiser to that these days optimizing the site you know doing a bit of CRO adding better affiliate offers better products your own offers doing better email marketing these things which can take effect quickly then you know you can easily double the value of your of, of, of your site you know in a very short space of time and you know either flip it then or just live off the the kind of earnings, the increased earnings. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what happened to the last site we sold. Like they, they bought it and they had essentially, they were doing more volume on the same products we were promoting and they had higher commissions. So they were able to overnight just generate more money. We got a great payout for it, so no regrets. But that's how they did it. Uh, HeroPub also, when they sold, uh, when parents sold HeroPub, for example, that's the same thing that happened. Chewy's uh, affair program had different conditions at the time and they were paying, I think, $45 per customer. And so, but it was like very hard to get in. And so the guys who bought it actually were in and they were able to swap all the Amazon links for Chewy links and made a lot of money that way. And like they tripled revenue in a couple of months, even though everything else they did pretty much failed. <laughs> they actually made a lot of return on that site because of that. So uh, it shows that, yeah, it's like this one strategical move that you have can beat all your SEO smarts if you do it properly. So it's like that. And actually, like when I'm thinking about this, it's probably one case where I could see, uh, I could see myself if one day, if one day we had a lot more time than we have today, then uh, I could see myself buying sites not for other offers, but probably for building our own products on them. So like find like info sites that monetize with ads or something and replace that with like email opt-ins plus funnels plus products. I think it would be an easy way to like 10x the revenue or something like that. And then uh, and maybe flip it off again or something like that would be fun to do. Actually, I could I could see myself do that one day, just not now because I need to sleep at night. That's basically buying a site. Anything else on, on buying a site that is good? No. Okay. okay, so now let's jump on to the negative sides of, of buying sites. I think for me, the biggest one is the uncertainty, right? It's like you, first of all, doesn't matter how good you are at all this stuff. It's going to be quite hard to properly evaluate every single page of a website, every single backlink. And just overall, even if you do, as we know, and as we mentioned already several times in this podcast, these crazy call updates that really nobody has explained at this point. And that apparently are not EAT as per John Mueller recently. Google does not measure EAT. Thank you very much. Directly. Directly, yeah. It's like they might have like... Proxy metrics, I guess. But yeah, it's like, even if you buy a business that actually looks clean, you might lose a lot of traffic tomorrow. Or you might double the traffic, right? It works both ways. Like you might also like get a massive increase in traffic, but the volatility in the last few, last year, let's say, last year, year, year and a half, has been increased. And so you are dealing with a pretty high volatility asset. I mean, if you look at, for example, even Bitcoin, I would say is less volatile these days than some niches and some websites, you know? But the return is also, no, so Bitcoin has been no. basically moving. Let me check that. 
<laughs> Let me check that. To call no, no, that like of all the Gale analogies I've heard, that is like that takes the to cake the cake really. That so is, the low Bitcoin is not stable with any sense of the imagination. I'm talking in the last year. I'm actually going to tell you the low of Bitcoin in the last year was four thousand eight hundred dollars, let's say, and the high, which was in uh, exactly one year ago, was eleven thousand. So it's double basically. Shut so, up and yeah. take my money. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible. That's really volatile. Yeah, but some websites have seen ninety percent in in traffic reduction. Yeah, but not all of them. No, okay, fair enough. Oh, okay, fair enough. It's like all bitcoins have seen the variation. Okay, it's not as variable, but it it's like it's getting to like the volatility is potentially very high, even though you don't realize it, and you know you you have a chance of having to deal with that when you purchase an expensive asset. And I think for me, that's the biggest downside of this because you have paid premium for it if you, unless you had a really good deal. I'd just like to add to that as well. Uh, finding a good deal is hard. So you can go on Empire Flippers, FE International, or any of the, the sort of reputable marketplaces out there and find fair deals, which are you know at the market price because this is a market, a site is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. By the time sites are on there, you're not getting a great deal. Like it's it's a fair deal, it's the right price, it's the market price, but it's not it's not not a good price. So to do that, you need some kind of private deal flow. So that's either finding the deals directly, so reaching out to sites and you know offering to to buy them, I know there's people doing that, or having other people in the know, like who have their ear to the ground, like tell you, oh, so and so is selling the site, and you know, putting you in touch, and all these kind of like networks that you know, there's a lot of people out there doing this kind of stuff. So you need to have that in order to get a really good deal on, on a site, I would say. Whereas you know, when you're when you're buying a site, you don't need to know people in order to be successful yeah. with it. I just want to shout out as well, um, because he wore our t-shirt on another interview, but uh, Richard Pate. So he has a, a newsletter, it's called Pate Premium, just Google it. So, and he let me subscribe for free. So I don't know if this is counts as sponsored or not, but like, it's actually pretty good if you are looking for like these kind of off marketplace website deals and into all the analysis and stuff. So, Yeah, I think also there's a risk in a transition when you buy a site. So there, there can be several things, right? There can be transition for the staff. We've seen multiple acquisitions, including some of our acquisitions that well, some staff decided to leave when we were not around, etc. And that can happen. It's difficult to manage for, especially for your small team, etc. Or you were very involved with them, etc. Then can we actually tell the story of that? Because that's quite interesting. You decide. Are we, are we allowed to? I think so. Yeah. So we sold our agency in what 2000, end of 2014, start of 2015. It was like a low six-figure deal, and there were I want to say like six or seven staff, team members that, yep. that went with it, all the clients. And then what actually happened was a couple of the staff members ended up a few months later taking a big percentage of the clients and like just not working for the new guy and like starting their own side agency. And it caused all sorts of drama and hassles and stuff. So, and that is a, a very real risk that can happen when you buy a company and like there's a team that comes with it. There's no guarantee that they are going to follow um, Actually, and, happened and, and, to another H Pro member that I was talking to, and uh, same thing. Like one of his staff, basically, like there was some transition. His staff left and made a, literally a competing site 
with the website. So it, it can yeah. happen. And, and if staff are thinking about it, when you leave is usually a high time when they will actually act on it. So these things can happen and it can create tension with the buyer. Maybe if you have a buyout over time and things like that, then it can be a little bit complicated and so on. So that is uh, an issue when you're buying. And if you're the buyer, it's really annoying because you paid for all of this and it just disappears overnight because, well, they're people. They can, they can leave if they want, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it works the same for, for example, for links, right? It's like, some people have links that like rank because of PBN links, for example, or bar links or links that they pay for per month, like they like link rentals. And these tend to drop off uh, usually when uh, when there is a transition, if there's any cost associated to the links and or if they own the PBNs themselves and they want to use them for another site or something like that, then maybe the links will stay around for a little bit. But yeah, it's like there's a much higher drop off than there would be normally because there's an incentive for the seller to essentially maintain these if there's no earn out at least. And so these things, these things can happen. It's a risk, I think, when you buy. All right, so the next section that we have for the podcast is a, is a bit of a weird one. It's one of Mark's favorite, which is basically we're going to go through some things to consider when you if you're trying to pick a site. Like let's say we've talked about all of this, you have no idea, should I build sites or should I buy sites? First of all, I mean, let's be clear, you need quite a bit of money to buy sites, uh, unless you buy really tiny sites, which, you know, there's a market for it. But like, I made some kind of a point system. So basically, we're going to talk about different criteria and we'll tell you if you're more like this, just put a point towards being a buyer. If you're more like this, like that, put a more point towards being a builder. So the first thing that we want to talk about is level of expertise, right? So uh, and we simplified it here. Obviously, there's like, you know, everyone has its own level and there's as many levels as there are people. But we just put beginners and advanced, right? So for the beginners, it's like we personally recommend that actually you would go and be uh, building your first site, even if you have a lot of money in the bank. And that's because you need to understand how these things work. Like you, need to, you learn how to do the business. It's kind of like when you join Amazon or when you join Facebook or one of these big companies, regardless of what job you were hired for, you spend one month in support and you just have to talk to customers, etc. It gets you to understand the platform. Well, treat this building your first site as that. Even if you're rich, even if you can buy these sites, you will get to learn how WordPress works. You will understand what the process involves, etc. And you will do that with very little money. If you have a lot of money, it's not going to be a big deal for you to pay, you know, two grand or three grand to build your first site, even outsourcing some content, buying some tools, playing with Ahrefs a little bit, learning keyword research, uh, learning how to brand the site, what is important, what competitors look like, doing competitor analysis, see what they do to rank and all of that. And it doesn't cost that much money. So we recommend all beginners actually essentially take a point on the builder side. I would go even further than say recommend, like we're honestly, I implore you to do this yourself. My heart breaks when I see some of the stories of people buying, well, you know, six figure websites. No, I have no idea. Yeah. For the first project and then, you know, just tanking it through because doing stuff or, or not doing stuff that they didn't know about or making mistakes. And yeah, it's a real shame. I don't think I've seen anyone come into the market buy you know, sort of six-figure or more website as our first website and be successful with it. Yeah. You know, prove me wrong. There might be one or two out there listening, in which case, kudos, good job. But uh, it's the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, I think so. I think it's like, I think it, you need to start with that. And the thing is like, so when you're doing that, you're basically, if you have money and you're a beginner, you will try to outsource everything and people will 
overcharge you and you will not know that you're overpaying for stuff, etc. as well. Yeah, and you have no eye for quality, so you can't yeah. judge. Like the vast majority of content, the vast majority of links, the vast majority of stuff in the IM industry, it's just it's terrible. It's subpar. It really is. And you'll you will get caught out by that if unless you do this yourself. So now let's jump onto the advanced side, right? So if you're advanced, you basically have the choice, right? So you can be an advanced person that decides to build sites on their own because like you basically started building sites and you did well and then maybe you can take something in a more competitive niche or you can build something with a bigger scope or something like that and kind of progress in that direction or you can actually progress to become uh, to becoming an investor and then essentially it's a new thing to learn on top but you can still reuse all the skills you had to make decisions instead of doing things. And same when it comes to hiring, when it comes to doing work, etc., you will know what to do. So I guess for this one, you can actually probably tick both. If you're advanced, you can tick both a builder and buyer. I think it's like if you're advanced, you can do it, but it doesn't mean you should do it just because yeah, you, you are advanced. You can do either. And like you, there are people being successful in, in either. Now, the next criteria we want to talk to is how much you want to get involved personally. And I put this one just after the, um, the beginner thing because I think a lot of people want to be investors will also like want to be a lot less involved than people who are not investors. And so if you want to be involved personally, well, that's the case where like either option works. You can be, you can buy a site and really get into it. I would recommend you know something about the niche. If you buy an existing site, I would recommend you know something about the niche. If you build a new site, I think you can learn the niche as you build it. But if you're already managing a site of like a thousand pages or something like that, or if you're going to become the face of the site or anything like that, then it's better to know what you're doing. I have a friend as well that bought like some kind of like expertise-based site that didn't know anything about it and tried to learn it while having a community of paying members. Of, there was like a thousand paying members, etc. It went terribly. She's still telling me all the light nightmares she has about the emails from the members that just didn't respect her because, well, she didn't know this stuff. So I would highly, highly recommend that uh, if you pick, if you buy a site and you want to be involved, you know the industry before you do that. Don't buy into an industry you don't know. And if you don't want to be involved, I personally, I mean, I would prefer buying a site in this case, but I, you would need to buy it with a team of experts. And that would be probably my main criteria. It's like the people that run the site are not the people who own the site and sell it to me so that I then do everything you can to retain the stuff so they don't run off, right? I mean, what do you think? I mean, I think in both cases, if you don't want to be involved personally, you need a good, an external good team of people to to run it for you, which is rare and very difficult to to build. So you will have to be involved to, in at least building that that team. I don't think you can just acquire a team from a site and just expect to be able to like grow the site. You know, at best you'll keep it going, but most likely yeah, it's time to manage, right? You're not, if you're not involved, because there's one person, you know, this, the previous site owner who's missing from that and you're not going to have them. Yeah, I mean, you still need to manage the staff. You still need to make the decisions, the high level decisions at least. You might have someone that can pick you and do this stuff, etc. But like on the, on the higher level, you still need to run things. But the thing is like, if you know that you don't want to get involved, then when I'm in my buying process, I'd be keeping an eye for an expert team, even if the site stats are less impressive. Like, let's say I know, like, for example, in my, in my case, I, I, I can do the technical side, I can do the SEO side, etc. But I'm getting into the knitting niche, for example, and I have no idea about this. Then, then my more important criteria than even the stats of the website or how it ranks, etc., or the links, would be I get a team of experts that actually creates really, really cool content. 
so that I can just take this and optimize it and promote it and just do my marketer's job, add to that. So I think asking yourself the question of whether you want to be involved personally will change things a lot in terms that you will be looking for different things when you're buying. If you can be the expert, then maybe you can afford to buy a site without a team. If you don't want to be the expert, then you need people that will do it for you. And it's rare for sites with great teams like that to be available on the market. So it's probably going to take a lot more work. The next criteria is like, do you have more money or do you have more time available? And well, I, I guess this is pretty obvious, right? But if you have more time than money, we were going to recommend that you build a website because it's much cheaper, but you will probably, you know, it will cost you your time basically, like a lot. It will take time for the site to do well and it will take your time to make up for the money you're not spending, you know? Here's a segue. So do you think it's better, like let's say you have money, like lots of money, is it better to buy a site or is it better to invest that money in starting one or a number of sites? Because that's like, there's another dynamic to it. Yeah, so it's like, is it better to buy a site or start multiple sites basically? Yeah, or even just start one site, but like really like go for it, you know? If you're asking me, it's better to start a site because like I get much further with my money, like a lot further. Like I said, like I, if I can pay a dollar per world and still be cheaper than buying the site. And so like, it's, it's like I can, I have crazy budget or I can have crazy budget for link building, for example. And uh, with the same money, well, it's like, especially if I have a lot of money, meaning I probably don't need money right now, which means that I'm, I'm happy to take my time uh, and then place the money I didn't spend. Like, because when you, let's say you, you're going to buy a site for a million dollars or like, what you can do is you can place that million dollars, <laughs> generate interest while you're spending it on your site and taking it off. So it actually your money just works on the stock market or whatever during that time. And whenever you need the cash to feed the website while it's growing, you just spend it. And so even that million dollar when you buy the site is gone right away. So it can't create money for you. So let's say that million dollar takes you two years to spend which is still like a lot of spending for a new website. It still means that you're going to generate, you're going to generate money from the money, plus you're going to build your website for cheaper. So yes, in my opinion, I would build a website. Again, it depends on the level of involvement. If I want to do nothing and I have a million to spend, then maybe buying a site makes sense. Uh, or if I have a very important job that pays me so much money that it's not worth for me my, my time to do that, then yes, maybe buying would make sense. But if I have all the time in the world and the money, then I would build and then I would place the capital somewhere safe where it also can generate money while I'm not using it. Yeah, so I mean, this just goes to show that it's not such a simple, oh, if you have time, build, if you have money, buy. There's a, It's a lot more complicated than that. I agree. It's like you need to choose what you are. And it, it depends on the other criteria. Basically, all the criteria we put kind of like they depend on each other. I think uh, I, I can just quote the previous ones every time, right? And I think talking about criteria, let's talk about the next one, which is how quickly do you want to see a return on your spending? And I think like investors want that fast return and they want to see the money back right now, etc. Whereas, I mean, I guess it depends, right? Because if you're yeah, broke, maybe it, you it need really, money It back. really depends. Like sometimes yeah. if you're buying a site, you know, you're not expecting your money back in like, you know, a year or two years um, in most cases, unless you're able to um, or you're expecting to be able to add a lot of value um, to the site, which to be fair is probably a lot of, a lot of uh, investors these days. So, you know, it's like how quickly do you want to get back to zero uh, from your investment, or how high do you potentially want that investment to go? Those are like the two dynamics that you have to to consider there. But generally speaking, um, if you 
build a site yourself, you're going to be able to recruit that. Well, again, here's another issue. So it depends. Are you just going to hold, build it and then hold the site or are you going to sell it in two years? Because, yeah. you know, it may, it may actually take, if you don't sell it in a couple of years, then it may take, you know, quite a bit longer to kind of like really make a lot of money on, on the site. So basically, that whole point system from the beginning just fell apart right now. Yeah, but, uh, I told you it was a terrible analogy. <laughs> we shouldn't do it. You know? Well, just uh, just throw the sheet of paper away, guys. Sorry, yeah. but I think it's good because it shows you that actually there's no, it's not so black yeah. and white. Actually, take the less criteria because you prepared it. So this is like how much money or how much capital do you actually have? So if you have less money or no money, then obviously you don't really have much choice to but to to build it. So that's not an issue. But if you do have sizable amount of money, then again, it's still a debate. You can buy and improve a site, sure, but you can also build really, really good site with a lot of money or multiple sites with a lot of money, especially if you have a, a team that's like used to deploying sites and growing them and stuff as well. So again, it's another it depends answer. Don't you think we're just biased? It's like, I think we are. It's like, we're still biased towards saying, well, it's cheaper to build sites, so it's like you should build sites. In almost every case, you know. Yeah, we. I mean, for sure, we are we are biased, but it's not just because oh, it's cheaper to do it. I think it's because our personalities. We like things done properly, correctly, and I think the type of people that do well with buying sites and uh, buying sites as a business are the kind of people who are just you know it, things don't they they don't have to be done perfectly. They're just kind of like hustlers and they're able to like get shit over the line, get shit done. And I think our personalities are, are maybe a bit different from that, which is why we've stayed, yeah. uh, stayed away from it um, up until this point at least. Yeah, I agree. It's, that's the thing. It's like if we put like shit information on the internet and people find it on Google, I feel a bit bad, you know? And it's the truth is if you're not going to be that involved and it's just like people on payroll are going to be responsible for the content on your site and nobody's checking on them, not all content is going to be great, let's be honest for a second. Like the best creators on the internet are not these kind of people. They're people who are like independent and uh, and these kind of like craftsmen type people. And so, yeah, I guess it depends on your personality as well. And that was actually what I wanted to talk about in the next section is like which type of people do better buying and which types of people do better selling. So I think um, obviously people who do better buying is people who have money to start with. They always help. The people that also don't want to get too involved Again, want to run these businesses as functional business, like it's just generating cash flow and they don't really care how it's done and how perfect it's done, etc. They just want to build a system that generates revenue and works pretty well, basically. And the people that are good at building teams as well. I will say the issue with investing in websites, it's not that there's not enough money because there's loads of people, loads of people want to invest, want to deploy capital into it. It's finding good operators to to manage, to run, to grow the sites which people are investing in. So if you are, maybe if you are good at growing sites, building sites, but you don't necessarily have a lot of money, maybe like partnering up with someone who does and who doesn't know the space might be a good kind of synergy that, that can, can work yeah. there. Yeah, I agree, but there's also, I see it also in operators, right? It's the same people that run shitty SEO agencies for a long time, and they're just like reconverting to being operators and working for investors. And it, it scares me a little bit in the sense that I am not saying all operators are bad. I'm just saying a lot of people have smelled the opportunity here with the growth of investors in websites. And if you are an investor, it's not because someone had an agency that they are always very good at this stuff. 
and you should uh, maybe find someone else that is also good at growing sites that vet them, you know? Again, I think, though, I think that's us being like on our perfectionist high horse 100%. thinking like, oh, everyone 100%. else is shit, you know? No, not everyone else is shit, but I mean, I've seen discussions online, I've seen all of that, etc. And yeah, it's like, you know, a, running an agency is a bit annoying and um, investors, they don't really, you don't have to send them a report every month or something like that, etc. Not nearly as much, etc. And you're I'm sure you do. <laughs> Not really. Like it's not as structured. You're not, you're not as, micro. You're an investor. You're 100. percent You're sending a report every month, but you're not having to micromanage. Oh, why exactly. does this keyword go down in analytics? Exactly. Today? You have less justification to do. Like it's just like they will look at the numbers once in a while, and you have to like show good numbers and good returns. And you don't really need to explain how these numbers happened, which is a bit different from an agency point of view. And so it's good for, to be honest, if you're like, a, if you're honest operator, it can be a, a good opportunity. And I think maybe if you're a builder and you want to kind of like learn on steroid, maybe that is a good opportunity to be an operator because you don't, you then don't have to like freelance and do SEO services and stuff like that, that most people do. You can work on the stuff you actually want to learn properly and do it for someone and then maybe you can even earn shares in it. I think it's a good idea to like, as an investor, to let people earn shares because it builds incentive for them to do a good job for the long term as well and try to avoid like bad updates and stuff rather than like a monthly paycheck. So yeah, it could be a good opportunity. I could see that. But to go back to our notes, uh, the people that do better with site building, and actually the last bullet point I put in there was perfectionists. And it's people who like want to build stuff on their own term and people that really tend to get involved in the niche and actually enjoy the content creation process. They don't just see it as a quick way to make money. I think these tend to be better builders because there's a level of grind that you need to enjoy a little bit or you will not you will not make it because there's too many people that already do it and enjoy it. They will outdo you basically on this stuff. And I, I put also people who are like better with computer and tech. So I know some investors that like, you know, I see them on their computers and I'm like, ah, like, I'm going crazy. And it's like, it's like if you know how to edit a photo on Photoshop, if you know, like if you have like a bunch of cool extensions on Chrome, etc. You don't need to be a computer engineer or something like this, but like you're just comfortable using tech all day. And yeah, doing stuff your own way. So that's these kind of people, scrappier people that grew up with computers. I think, and, I think uh, it's also like something like where you can get excited. So an investor, yeah. an investor, when he sees a new site making a hundred dollars in a week, is going to be like, oh, "What the hell? You know, who cares? You know, get me to ten thousand or whatever." But I re like I remember you and I like we were doing an Authority Hacker Pro launch several years ago, and it was like it was going really well. It was like sort of in the six figure range, and the other site which we were had it was just sort of getting off the ground at that point. And I think it made like its first, I don't know, twenty dollar day or something like that. And like yeah, we were far more excited about that fact than the like however many tens of thousands of dollars we made in, in sales that day for Age Pro. It doesn't make sense comparing the two, but you know, you need to be able to get excited by those small wins, even with, you know, a bit of perspective and stuff. So if that's you, then you will do well at building. Yeah, so let's just conclude this podcast. Basically, you can make money on either side, whether you're a builder or buyer and you run things as a portfolio, like everyone can make money and the website space is still very prosperous, especially given the recent times online businesses tend to do better than the rest of the economy. So it is a pretty good place to spend your time regardless of which one you are going to do. Now, Building and growing sites is a grind. It can take years before your site does well and like you feel like you're doing 
good money with your site. So make sure you pick a site that you're enjoying the most. Like basically, would you rather be a manager, manage people, build a team, all that stuff, and all take over a business that exists already, but you already have expertise in? So for example, if, I don't know, if I was a professional ice skater, then maybe I could buy a ice skating site that already exists and just become the face of it and it would skip all the grind initially and I would just start blogging on it, etc. So you could do that, uh, but pick the site that you enjoy the most. We do recommend everyone builds at least one site before they pick a site. It will, first of all, give you that builder experience, but most importantly, even if you're going to be managing sites, you're going to learn very important skills such as keyword research, such as competitor analysis, such as content workflow management and hiring writers and all these things. So it's not because we sell a site for that. You can do it without buying our site, but our, uh, sorry, our course, not our site. But we do recommend you actually gain some first-hand experience for that. But I'm actually curious to know what our listeners fall into. I would suspect there are more builders, but I might be wrong. So if you can, go on the video on YouTube for this podcast and drop us a comment and let us know if you feel more like you're a buyer or if you feel like you're a builder. And while you're at it, you can subscribe, you can like the video and click on the bell so you don't miss any other video. Any final words, Mark? No. Well, that was the final word. So thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.